What's up, gamers? Welcome to episode nine of the Busted Buttons podcast. This is Red, joined by my partner in crime, Hick. And we kind of have a very special episode for you guys today. We're going to spend most of the show, if not all of it, talking about one of our favorite games, not just of the last couple of years, but probably of the last decade. Yep. And that is the 2018 release of God of War for the PlayStation 4. It's a game that we both picked up. It actually drove me to buy a PlayStation 4. And so we're both extremely fond of it. We're extremely excited uh, to spend some time talking about it today. So without further ado, we're going to jump right in. Hick, what do you want to start with when it comes to God of War? Like you said, first of all, it's just an amazing game. I would probably say it's one of my top five games, but it's just one of those, like you said, it made you get a PS4, and I didn't get it right away, but then I remember like looking at some of the reviews and kind of talking to you about it, and when something is getting like a 10 out of 10, and it's called a masterpiece, like you had to check it out, yep. and since like just starting the game, I mean, right in the story and the music and just the the way it looks. Oh, and here, here's one thing that actually does make me upset right at the beginning. <laughs> of this podcast i actually played this on my computer screen which is a 4k without hdr and as we're preparing for this podcast i'm kind of going back through i'm playing the game a little bit but i'm playing on my hdr tv holy shit red (laughs) you wouldn't believe the differences with hdr like the colors just look absolutely amazing but then kind of you know talking about it overall even on a regular 4k uh, screen the graphics kind of they just looked amazing like all the vegetation the trees and just I mean, we're going we're going to go into all this stuff, which oh, yeah. I don't know why I said this podcast is special because we're going to do this a lot. So I guess we're going to have a lot of special podcasts, but we're kind of everyone's some, special. We're that good. <laughs> yeah, but just a little bit of info on the game. It was developed by uh, Santa Monica Santa Monica Studio. Um, it is a PlayStation hit right now, so it's very cheap. I think at the max it might be twenty dollars. Sometimes on sale. So if you haven't played God of War, the fourth installment on the PS4. 2018 release, you got to pay attention to all that when you're looking at the game. I would highly recommend you get this game because, like I said, one of the best games of the decade, one of my top... You know, I haven't thought about my top five games, but I think that it would be in there. Like I said, fourth game in the franchise. And actually, this game is loosely based on Norse mythology, as whereas the previous three installments were uh, based on Greek mythology. And uh, Red, I'll go ahead and let you talk now, because <laughs> I've been talking for a while. Well, just kind of sticking with some general info about the game. I mean, not only do we love it, you mentioned it was very critically acclaimed. If you jump on Metacritic, it's actually the fifth highest rated PlayStation 4 game of all time. It was actually number four until Persona 5 Royale actually just came out like two days ago and, and bumped it to fifth. Um, I think the other ones are like Red Dead Redemption 2, which I totally disagree with, uh, Grand Theft Auto 5, and there's one other one I'm forgetting. But anyway, so we're not the only ones who think it's amazing. It won the 2018 Game of the Year from the Game Awards, the Dice Awards, South by Southwest, the Developer's Choice Awards, among several others. So it's not just us, you know, sucking this game off. Everyone seemed to really, really love this game. And I'm sucking it off hard, man. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, that's why we're doing a whole podcast dedicated to it. So, but it's funny you mentioned like the 4k gaming and how it looked i i've never played 4k gaming until this game like i've had a gaming pc but i've never had the monitor to support 4k gaming so when i i finally had a 4k tv i had an xbox one for a while but it was just the original not the uh, pro yeah or xbox one x sorry X. come on rick get your shit together i know (laughs) so when this game dropped and i'm reading about it how amazing it is and you start looking back at all the other exclusives that are already on the playstation you've got 
Horizon Zero Dawn, the Uncharted games, Last of Us, Shadow of the Colossus. I was like, this is the, the final straw. I got to yeah. go buy a PlayStation 4. And this was the very first game I bought with it. And man, just seeing that 4K at the very beginning, like you just start the game yeah. cutting down a tree. I mean, but just seeing the character models of, of uh, uh, Kratos and like you said, the vegetation, the detail on like your cabin. I mean, it just blew me away to see like, I know a lot of people say it's not a big jump from 1080p to 4K. I really think that this was, and part of it is, you know, having a game that's so perfectly designed for the PlayStation 4 Pro. I mean, they took full advantage of the power of that system. So those visuals just sucked me right in. And that has sold me on, you know, I mean, as if I needed selling on 4K gaming. But just that first firing it up and being like, oh, this is what 4K, 4K gaming is all about. It just blew me away. And and I think uh, I can speak for both of us when I say neither of us had played a God of War game prior to this. Nope. Did you? So, no, I haven't. And like the third one is also a PlayStation hit, and yep. I think it, I think it might got remastered for the PS4. I believe it's like ten bucks or fifteen bucks right now. Oh yeah, I kind of been staring at it like, should I get that game or should I not? And here's the reason that I haven't got it because I don't want to go backwards in the yeah. franchise. So I guess I'm kind of waiting for maybe them to do like a whole collection where one, two, and three are in a bundle oh, and they've be all awesome. been remastered. So I think. I'm not hurting rumors that that's going to happen, but I'm kind of holding out for that. But no, I've not played the first three. But that's the thing. Okay, a lot of games do this, but it was very easy to get into the game, yes. even if you hadn't played the first three ones, which they kind of have to do because there's so many people jumping in on certain systems and certain installments. But I started on the fourth installment, and I really didn't feel like I missed anything. No, and not kind of talking about um, the character models, I've seen uh, Kratos in God of War 3, like his character model. And the way that he looks in four, man, I mean, that right there from the get-go, seeing him, you're like, holy shit. Now, he's a guy, okay? <laughs> but holy shit, he looks like a fucking badass, man. Like how a god should look. He's huge. He's just, he's got a sweet, you know, I'm not a huge beard guy, but his beard is awesome. And oh, then, he's got that James Harden beard going yeah, on. Yeah, <laughs> and then, I mean, the voice acting. I don't think, I don't remember exactly who did it. I didn't know his name at one time. But like ah, whoever shoot. did ah, that, I, um, I mean, that voice is just perfect. And so, yeah, I mean, right from the get go, the story, how it draws you in, like I've already kind of said, but just seeing Kratos for the first time, like, you know, it's going to be a real game because you're like, man, this, this area looks badass. The character looks badass. Yep. Holy shit. He and talks he's like a motherfucking a God. He's a badass. <laughs> and it's funny. Like we mentioned the story and how like this really did serve as a great kind of like reset. For the whole series, yeah. like mm -hmm. you mentioned, uh, it was all like Greek mythology. It was all uh, Kratos trying to get revenge on uh, Zeus and all the Greek gods in the first couple of games. And now there, he's had some time away from that. He's moved to a new area. He's got himself a new wife who just recently died uh, even before the start of the game. So mm -hmm. now you're in like Norse mythology land. And it was such a clean reset where it's like it tells you enough and it talks enough about his past life all throughout the game. But the story... It cracks me up because it starts so simple. It's just Kratos and his son want to go spread uh, his, yep. his wife's ashes at the highest peak in the realms. You know, you're like, oh, that should be easy. You don't expect a freaking Lord of the Rings style epic to come from such a simple, yeah, uh -huh. from something such a simple like story. But then they just get drawn in to this whole plot between the Norse gods, you know, Odin and wanting to get access to the, the realm of the giants. And I'm going to butcher the pronunciation of every oh, one of these too. realms. But it's like Jotunheim or Jotunheim or whatever the hell it's called. And he sends Balder, Balder to find 
Kratos's wife, who you find out at the very end of the game, was actually a giant. So, you know, yeah, I guess uh-huh. we should have said spoilers all throughout this damn podcast. Yeah, well, <laughs> if we're going to talk about game the entire podcast, yes, there are going to be spoilers. But yes. if you didn't know, spoilers are coming because we're going to talk about, well, Red Alley kind of did a little bit about the ending. <laughs> but, um, like, here, talking about Boulder, man. That like is actually that might be my favorite villain in all of video gaming. Oh, like, man. I mean, his once again the voice acting, his voice was just amazing and just the yep. way he carried himself. Like, I mean, and he was introduced to you very early on outside your house. You fought and him. What I loved on. about him is like he's this skinny guy. Yeah, he's got a lot of tattoos, but you're really not expecting anything from him until he punches you and Kratos goes flying like 500 feet. And you're like, (laughs) oh, shit, okay, don't underestimate this guy. He's got what we call a little bit of power. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, the God part. And, you know, overall, you know, as we're talking about this game, the one thing that I actually probably loved the most is that it felt like you were playing a God game. Like when Boulder hits uh, Kratos and he goes 500 feet, like that's how the game should feel. Yep. And, like, as you're going through the game, things just appear to be a little bit bigger. Like, you get into the Lake of Nine and all these statues. Obviously, the Giants, which we'll kind of go in more to. Like, the whole game just feels big. And so, there was, like, that God element that I guess I would call it. Yeah. That was properly fit the game and just, I don't know, man, Balder, you my man. You are awesome. One of the greatest villains ever. And just the voice, the way he talked. I absolutely love that. And, like, I mean, the game was already great. Yeah, <laughs> but that was just like like extras like frosting on top of the game. And I'll spend a little more time talking about Balder because I'm with you. I thought he was an amazing villain. He was so much fun, and you don't normally think that about a villain. But he just had this insanity, like this yes. maniacal insanity about him that he just you're like this guy literally gives no fucks. Mm-hmm. Like he does not, and like the fact that he couldn't feel like pain or pleasure and all this stuff. And I really like, like we said, we didn't play the first four, ga- the first couple games, sorry, the first couple games in the series, but it was all about Zeus trying to get revenge on his parents, the gods, yep. Zeus. Balder, as the game comes on. You mean on, Kratos trying to get revenge on Zeus? Yeah. yeah he you said trying Zeus to, was trying to get revenge on his parents. I was like, who the hell are Zeus' sorry, parents? Sorry. I don't even know that. <laughs> sorry. Uh, uh, Kratos was trying to get revenge on his parents, Zeus, uh, in yep. the original games. And That's the last one, mistake I'll allow this podcast. I know, I know. Sorry, we're, we're getting talking, worked up. Got to work. You better get um, it all straight. As I'll probably mispronounce names left and right too, but go ahead. Oh, you get this Norse mythology. Names are out the door. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but then as you pro- progress through the game, you know, you find out Balder wants to kill his mother because she's the one who made him unable to feel pain or pleasure. And she did it to protect him, but it pissed Balder off to the point he went way off the deep end. So I really liked the parallels between Kratos's past adventures trying to get revenge. And now Balder is trying to get revenge on his parents too. And you see like Kratos in the final confrontation, again, spoilers, all that good shit in the final confrontation, like Kratos is even like revenge will not make you feel better. He's like, trust me. I know. Like, I loved that parallel between Kratos' last adventures and what Balder is going through in this game. And it does make you feel a little bit for Balder. Like, his mom put this, she was trying to protect him, but it really, it made it to where he couldn't feel pleasure. He couldn't feel anything. And he resented her for it. So it it adds a little bit of depth to Balder beyond him just being a pawn of Odin and being insane and all this stuff. And I really like when a villain like that has some depth to it. Like you get a little bit of that sympathetic villain and man, like you said, the voice acting, the animations for him, it's just, he is nailed perfectly as this. You don't expect much out of him until you realize he's batshit crazy and he will do whatever it takes. And he's got godlike powers too. So 
for me, well, I mean, so it's the yeah. lessons throughout the game, really. I mean, like you kind of talk about Balder, like kind of learn. Not really, learn, he doesn't really learn too well. No, but there's kind of like <laughs> lessons taught throughout the game, and like we see that from Kratos, like he's trying to teach Atreus like certain things, but then also he kind of like you know, you see the love change over yeah. the entire game. So not only is there lessons being taught, but there's also relationships that are getting better in like. That's an element that I felt add to the story like a lot. Like Me too. you got games, you got dialogue, you got characters, but there's not always those like you don't always have to have teachable lessons in a game. But I feel like this game with Kratos and Atreus being together, like you need to have some of those teachable lessons. Like you know, you're teaching your child not necessarily how to do things, but just about life. And you can't yep. talk about the whole Boulder thing. And then, you know, Kratos is kind of like, you know, revenge or whatever he says. I don't know if it's revenge exactly, but something uh, will not help you out as you go about your way. And it's like, yeah, he learned all his lessons. And he's trying to help Boulder out. He's trying to help his son out. And just, it seems like he's kind of turned a corner. And I felt like I not played the first three games, but I felt like in this game, like he was very, hard parent like he's a very hard parent yeah at the very beginning as the game goes on like i said he kind of becomes more loving has a better relationship with kratos and so like he's just he's learned from his mistakes and he's applying them and i love that turn that we saw throughout the game because it was great for the story like yeah you had the story of everything going on um let's see uh you kind of already talked about Actually, you did. As I looked at my notes, you did talk about most of it. But um, I mean, I just love that whole character arc that Kratos got. And same, I find in games a lot. Like games are getting very okay. They're all good graphical wise. They're all for the mechanic. Okay, there's some games with some bad mechanics, but there's a lot of good games with me- good mechanics. Yeah, good mat- controls. And I feel like nowadays, like where re- games can really stand out is with that story. Like for example, The Last of Us. Great, oh, st- God, not like yeah. not a game I really care about, but like you know with zombies and everything. But the story is amazing, and okay, there's a lot of reasons why I love God of War. But the state, the, the story, I mean, that really is one of the best parts. Like even though, you know, there's not like a lot to the story. Like there's a lot of combat in the game. Yeah, but yeah. it's those little story marks that I mean they just really capitalize on them. And like it's being lessons being taught. Like yeah, you're learning a lot. Like I just don't think the story was very. Com- you actually kind of go back to this uh, very beginning. Like when you start, the story is simple. Yeah. Like it's it not really one of these is. big drawn out stories. Like a lot of games get wrong where they confuse you before you even start the damn game. Right. This story <laughs> was very simple. It was really simple. I think throughout the game, I think this is what I was trying to say, but it's simple throughout the game, it is. but it's still good. Like it doesn't have to be a complex story to be good. It really doesn't. And I'm glad you kind of really brought up the relationship between uh, Kratos and Atreus. I mean, a lot of games, and let's be honest, all media, whether it's movies, TV shows, or games, suck at writing children. They either mm-hmm. make them so annoying or like so unrealistic. Because let's be honest, kids are hard to write. And okay, I, I'm not a parent. I think kids in general in real life are annoying as hell. That's they just are. my opinion. <laughs> I'm a parent. I love my kids. They're annoying as shit. But so writing a good child in a game and trying to capture that relationship, especially the way it evolves throughout the game. Like you said, from the very rough, very gruff beginnings to at the end where you finally see that like their relationship really has blossomed. The Santa Monica studio just absolutely nailed the writing for Atreus and it, and the relationship in general. And like, there's 
<laughs> I remember there's one part of the game I mentioned, you know, when the kids are really annoying, when Atreus first finds out that he's like the son of a god, yep. and he turns into this cocky little shithead, and he is so annoying for a couple of hours of the story where he's just like, thinks he's better than everyone else. He starts treating like the dwarves like shit and everything, thinking he's all immortal. And like for that couple of hours, you absolutely hate the kid. And I think that's exactly though what the studio was going for. What the writers were going for is like, yeah, if I'm a what 10 year old boy, whatever he is. And you tell me I'm a God basically, or half God, whatever. I'm probably going to be a cocky asshole too. And, but just the way he eventually comes out of that and Kratos uh, helps him to come past that. And he keeps trying to instill in him, hey, you know, you still have to be respectful of these people. And the way, like you said, he learned his lessons from the first games where, from what I've read, it is all about rage. It is all about him killing everything. Revenge, revenge, revenge. Which is how a god game kind of should be. Right? (laughs) And in this one, they really take it where he's trying to steer... Atreus away from that path. I mean, I know we've hit on that a little bit already, but it's like, I love just watching that relationship develop throughout the game. And like I said, I'm not one who normally likes the way children or even teenagers are written in video games, movies, TVs, whatever. But Atreus and his relationship with Kratos was really well done. Even the parts where he was acting like an asshole, like it all served the greater purpose and it made sense. It felt natural. So I'm all for that relationship and just watching it blossom throughout, you know, however long the game was, 20 hours probably for the main story, give or take. Um, It's just, it blew my mind to watch that because all you hear about from old God of War games was rage, 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 violence, violence, violence. So to see a strong father-son relationship, it kind of came out of left field for me because I did not expect that going in. But you like that part with Atreus kind of taking a turn there and becoming more cocky, didn't you? Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay, because see, like, I was talking with Spamo Man. I swear we have more friends than Spamo Man. But it seems like I, he's always the one that, like, kind of gets under my skin a little bit because we don't agree on a lot of things, which is absolutely fine. Everybody has their own opinions. They see things different ways. But he was saying that, like, he quit playing the game because of Atreus, again, that cocky attitude. I'm like, he just found out he's a fucking god. And he, I don't know right. if he's a teenager, but he's somewhere around that age. Maybe 10 to 13 yeah, is what I would 12, guess. Yeah, I'd say. But, like, if I found out I was a god, I'd be a cocky motherfucker. <laughs> I'm not even a god. I'm a cocky motherfucker. Now, it doesn't get me anywhere. But, you know, <laughs> that's, you know, the, well, I don't know if I'm as cocky as I used to be. But yeah, you know, you've calmed down a little uh, bit. Yeah, I calmed down. I've gotten fat. The beer gut's sticking out a little bit more. <laughs> I got kids. I'm like, oh, you know, whatever. The beer just... mellows you out now instead of getting you worked up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but like that, that made sense for me in the story that, yeah, he finds out he's a god. He's going to start acting like a badass. Yep. And I think it did great for the story because you got to have, okay. You know what? A lot of people talk about character arc. I'm actually not one of those people that need a character arc. Like, I'm fine with a person. Like, let's take a show, for example. I'm fine with a show. Like, okay, BoJack Horseman. Let's take that, for <laughs> example. Yep. I was fine with BoJack Horseman being an alcoholic asshole throughout the entire show. But no, we got to send him on an arc where he's yep. got to hit rock bottom and he's got to come all the way back. So, see, I don't always need a character arc. But I think in this game, like, it was great for Atreus that he had that character arc where, you know, he's kind of reserved and blah, blah, blah. And then he finds out he's a god and he gets all cocky and stuff. And then he comes back around and kind of realizes his powers and what he can do and he cannot do. Like, that was just great for the story because, like you said, it's very hard putting kids in a game and also writing for kids. And I think they did an amazing job with Atreus. And here's the thing. If they didn't do a good job with him... That could have ruined the entire game. 
because oh, like you know you're stuck with him the whole damn game. <laughs> yeah, like it's an, it's, it becomes your escorting mission that you love so much Ugh, in gaming. Fucking but, Rudo. Fuck I mean, you, you don't see you don't see a lot of games like where a companion follows you along for the entire game. Yeah, we have Navi and Zelda and, and like Tattle and like Majora's Mask. Yeah. But like these are two well, they're not humans, they're gods or giants or humans slash gods. Or not <laughs> no, 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 sorry, 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 sorry. They're gods slash giant, as in Atreus's case. Yeah, right. But you know, they still they they have a human form. Yeah. So it's just kinda you know, I was blabbing on so much. I don't, Once again, I was blabbing on for so long. I forgot what the hell I was even talking about. Something with arcs or whatever. But I kind of want to switch it up a little bit and talk about the main thing in the game, and that's the combat. Oh, yes. Like, obviously, when you get this game, you've seen past God of War games had a lot of combat, even though I believe their structure was a little bit different than the structure of this one. A little more linear, but, it seems like, in I mean, the older like, games. And here's why the game is so good. Like we kind of already talked about, but everything comes together. Like the gameplay, the combat, the story, the soundtrack, the map and the hub concept, the exploration. It just all comes together and every part is strong. So you kind of already heard us talk about the story, but the combat, man. Oh, I mean, so good. Some, I mean, it's so good. It's so smooth. The mechanics are flawless. Well, I want to say flawless. No mechanics are really flawless. Yeah. But, you know, this one is close. And just one thing, you know, I don't even know which one I like the most. I'll pick <laughs> one of them. Like the finishing cinematics on some of the bosses. Yep. Like those are just amazing. And it adds to that godlike feel. It like really I mean, does. it makes him, you know, instead of being a regular human, like the things that he does in the cinematic and the angles that they took in the game, I mean, that just adds to the whole combat feel right there for me. It really does. And I love like the, Levi- the uh, Leviathan Axe was such a fun weapon. Like, not only could you beat the shit out of your opponents with them, cut them to bits, but then being able to throw it and recall it like it's Thor's hammer was just such a fun mechanic. Like, so you had your ranged weapon and your melee weapon all in one. Like, I thought the axe was just such a, just a very visceral, fun weapon to have. And then, like, you could do upgrades to it, whether it's the runes crafting equipment you know you had some of that light rpg elements in there but sticking with just the combat for now i really loved how halfway about halfway through the game you also got access to the blades of chaos yeah weapons from the original series and it really kept it helped keep the combat fresh because now you've got a whole new weapon set with its own skill tree its own upgrades that you could learn and they did really play differently like the blades of chaos were like they didn't do as much damage all at once, but they were so much quicker. They had a little more range. Um, whereas the axe was more just like your brute force weapon. Like that was going to do the massive up close damage. Plus, you know, being able to throw it was, Oh fantastic. man, being able to throw that and recall that. I mean, that mechanic right there by itself was yes. just so much fun, but go ahead and continue. Yeah. So to me, like I really loved that introduction of a whole new weapon and, and, uh, and like skill tree for it, like halfway through the game, because yeah, you think 20, 25, even 30 hours, of just the same weapon, it can get old. It, it can get yep. a little old. So when they gave you that to freshen it up, like it it gave you a whole new skill to learn, and I really love that. Plus, switching back and forth between the two was seamless. It was just a click of a button to switch between them. And man, each the different weapons fit different enemies, and it was really well done. And then you throw in, we've already mentioned the relationship between Kratos and Atreus, but the way Atreus contributed to the combat yeah. with his bow. Was it the Talon bow? Yep, was Talon bow. really well done because he had several different types of arrows. He had like the shock arrows. You had a, a, a stun arrow. like, And plus he could summon like spectral animals. Like for once, the person you're, you're you know, you're kind of quote unquote escorting 
really contributed in battles and you, it all it took was a touch of a button like i think square or whatever yeah square mm-hmm. would do his uh his shoot his bow so i really love that as a companion he you never felt like you were holding his hand in combat no you never had to protect him in fights you just and he actually actively contributed and i thought that that was a really nice change of pace from the normal oh escort this person make sure they never get touched you know he jumped right into combat his abilities were useful and he didn't always do a lot of damage but he could stun guys he could build up your uh you know the rage meter things like that so i really thought atreus's inclusion in combat as well as the story were both really well done and that's a really hard mechanic to pull off right there. Yeah, two people <laughs> like like finding a boss and to be able to put it all together and make it work. Like, I mean, that just to me makes the game probably more than twice as hard. So the fact that they brought it all together, I mean, just great job, Santa Monica. Great job. Um, here's one thing. Okay, I did love the Blades of Chaos. Mm-hmm. But here's one thing I hate about them is I didn't use the, uh, how'd you, I actually thought it was Levathian or whatever axe. But, you know, my pronunciation is always <laughs> off point. So I, you could be right on the pronunciation. But I'll just call it the axe for now because I'm there not really sure on the pronunciation. But, I hate that the Blades of Chaos made me get away from the axe as much. Because, yeah, I like the axe. Love throwing it throughout the game. But then you get those blades, man. And there are some sweet moves that you can do with those blades. But here's (laughs) you're kind of talking about the skill trees and everything. This is where I think the game the game was a little bit too excessive when it came to that. Yeah, I love having skills, but I can't remember all the damn buttons to right. do all these damn skills. So, <laughs> yes, I love that you had skill trees and all that and different moves. And I know like a lot of people love having all these different moves. I can't remember all that. No, and me so neither. like I would get skills and I'd be like, "What button is that? Okay, that No, I'm never going to use that because my fingers are never really in those places." Right. You know me, run forward and punch. Yeah, you have better weapons out there, but <laughs> That's you just all you run, need. Like, you know, he's a god. So I should be able to run forward and just punch and be able to kill people. So <laughs> this is a type of game that was meant for me and that I found very early on that no, you cannot have that approach to all I want is a game where I can just run fucking straight forward and fight without thinking and just beat the shit out of them. That's the kind of game that I want, which I guess would kind of be like a Hyrule Warriors, uh, Dynasty Warriors type game. Oh, there maybe. you go. There you but, go. you know, anyways, it made sense. And it was cool that you actually had to use some strategy, even though he's a god, because if you make him not to use strategy and just wins every time on brute power, a lot from the game goes away. I'm sure all the other games kind of have that. But, man, there were some fights in this game, and, as I was kind of going through preparing, I was writing down a lot of the bosses, and eventually I said, forget this, because one, I don't know how to pronounce them, and two, I don't. the spelling on these is crazy. Yep. I'm not going to remember all these, but there are a couple that I want to mention, and one is that awesome dragon fight. Okay, there's kind of two dragon fights. The first one is just a one-on-one dragon fight. Yep. His name is like H. Reslar or something like that. Reslar. That's not the bear talking. That's the spelling yeah. talking. Um, <laughs> but that fight with him, I mean... Like I gotta go back to my point of like everything being so big and gigantic in the game. That one there, right there, just like I mean, it feels like a god game. You are facing yep. this humongous giant or dragon. There's no way that you should be able to beat this dragon, but you do end up beating him. And just that fight was amazing. And then you kind of go to the second one where you find a boulder uh, on the back of that dragon. Okay, first oh, of all, yeah. any fight with boulder is amazing. And we fight multiple you put times him yeah. on the back of a dragon. I believe it was a dragon, wasn't it? Yep. And then the dragon's flying through the air, and you're trying to go up the dragon, boulders coming down. I mean, that was one of my favorite experiences in video gaming. And it's just memories like that. Like, when I was going back and preparing, and 
one thing that kind of stinks, and we'll probably, as you all can probably tell, we will get some things wrong as we're going along. Of course. What yeah. stinks for Red and I is that we played this game probably a year ago or close to a year ago. If not so longer, yeah. We, obviously, we don't remember every single thing with the story because it's been so long. But that dragon fight with Boulder and the dragon fight before, like those are two things that stuck with me because they were just that amazing. They really were. And you mentioned these boss fights. You you get the one with the 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 main one with the dragon. There's three others you can fight throughout the game to like free them from like the their imprisonment they're in, and then you fight them. And it's those fights are all epic. But then you also get the boss fights with the sons of Thor. It's like Magni and Modi, I think, are their names. And just those fights are really fun. You fight Balder multiple times. And that you talk about the fight with Balder on the back of the dragon. I actually prefer the final fight where you've got that reanimated giant that Freya is controlling. Yep. It's like mm-hmm. slamming down on the environment. She's trying to keep you from fighting each other because she doesn't want you to kill her son, of course. So you just It's see- like trying to choose your favorite blowjobs, man. I mean, right. come on. You know, they're all great. <laughs> they're all great. So I love that you brought up the boss fights because I feel like there weren't necessarily a ton of boss fights, but they all felt so memorable. Like fighting the, like Thor's sons and they kept using the electric attacks and you kill one and then later on you have to fight the other one. And then, like you said, you get the three different dragons. You fight Balder three or four times throughout the game. I mean, it's just normally I'm not a fan about with that. Looking at you imprisoned from freaking Skyward. Well, I was thinking gear him, but yes, the imprisoned too. Or gear him. It works with both with both of them. But like, just re encounter every time it made sense though. It made sense in terms of the story, and every fight was a little bit different. Especially that last one when you could finally actually do damage to him. When the curse had finally been lifted and he yep. realized he can finally feel and you and Atreus realize you can actually harm him. So I'm glad you brought up, brought up bosses because they are some of the most memorable parts of the game. Combat and the bosses were only two elements of the game. And there are also some great gameplay elements that I loved. And some of them are, they're not weird, but just simple things like steering the canoe. Like I thought that mechanic was so smooth and that can actually make a game like terrible. If if getting around is difficult and it's not very smooth, it's just a horrible experience. So just, okay, first of all, I just love that it was a canoe. Kind of went back to the whole, not necessarily a God feeling, but... The game has kind of an older feeling with that Greek myth or Norse with that Norse mythology has that yep. older feel to it, and just having a canoe that you paddle like that fit. And then I mean, there's so many games, so many games that screw up rowing a freaking boat. <laughs> and this game, like it made it simple, it was extremely smooth. And then I love the conversations that happened throughout the canoe rides, yep. and a lot of those conversations had to do with Red Eyes Man, Mimir. And Red, oh. I know you love Mimir, so you kind of want to just talk about him some more. Like That, that I, character's awesome, man. I absolutely will. I remember when I was playing this game and you first bought it, and I was like, you're going to run into what I think is one of the best voice acting jobs I've ever heard in a video yep. game, and it is Mimir. I mean, he's a character, you literally chop off his head and carry it with you throughout the rest of the game, which, okay, that tells you everything. That's this game in a nutshell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's just... Every time that you're just out on the uh, the Lake of the Nine or you're out exploring and you're not really in the middle of a mission or combat, he tells you all these stories about the gods and his experiences with them, his past, the gods past. Like, and it really fills in some of that what could be like dead time, 
in the yeah, game. Like definitely. you mentioned just steering the canoe. You spend a lot of time in that canoe on the Lake of the Nine, just going from area to area. And we'll kind of get into that whole hub design here in a few minutes. But like having Mimir there to be telling stories and like Atreus, it seems like really takes to him and like definitely. asks him lots of questions that gets him to keep talking with the stories. Whereas, you know, you can tell Kratos is kind of like rolling his eyes the whole time. Like, yeah, come on. This is all bullshit. (laughs) (laughs) Kratos hates the gods. We know that. So having Mimir, who is such an amazingly voiced character who just really fills in some of those dead moments where you just, you're just rowing on the lake and it just, it made it, it gave the world a little more life. Just having all this backstory and, it helped, of course, that the God of War people of the Santa Monica had, you know, all of Norse mythology they could yeah. pull from. I mean, you've got an entire religion, basically, you can pull from. And Mimir, blah, 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 Mimir. <laughs> that's, a, that's a hard one after a few drinks. Yeah, anyway, yeah. he just... That all blends together, man. <laughs> it does. Like, he was voice acted so well, especially considering, again, he's literally just a head attached to Kratos' belt. And just hearing those stories as you sailed around, it, it really filled out the universe. So I could go on about Mimir forever. Like I said, as soon as I you got this game, I'm like, this is going to be the best voice acting you'll ever hear. Well, it's so. the perfect balance for me. Like, okay, his personality, first of all. Like, oh, his yeah. personality is just amazing. His storytelling is amazing. And, like, like it did really help with the downtimes. Like you said, like, you're riding around. It doesn't take a long time, but it's nice to get a story. But at the same time, Mimir doesn't talk too much in games right. definitely especially when they had the subtitles which most games do and i actually do like that even with voice acting Me but too. some games you can talk too much and i think there was a little bit of downtime where nobody was talking but it was like i said that perfect balance where it wasn't a lot of it but then when they were talking there wasn't too much of that and then you had his personality and then you had him kind of interacting with atreus and then kratos like you said is like this guy's full of shit <laughs> i mean there's just so many things like that in the game and I keep on coming back to simple. Like, it was a very complex game. Of course. And yeah. obviously, like, Mimir's, like, dialogue, it was obviously all written and everything. But a lot of it comes back to, it was simple. It was simple concepts that they just did all the bounces right, and it just yep. made the whole game come together so well. But kind of getting away from Mimir, and I want to talk about, and you do too, the whole hub concept, the map, the yes. exploration. And we kind of had a past podcast where we compared the open world to the hub concept to the linear concept. And I kind of like all three at different points. Like, I can't play two open world games. I can't play no. well, I can, I can <laughs> play a couple you. linear games because they're so short. Yep. But I like a mix and match of each. But that hub concept is something that I really do like. And like kind of putting the Lake of Nine there, like the hub is water. And I absolutely love that because... It just adds to the scenery, and there's too many games that have a hub that have solid ground. So that right there was just a good switch up, but this game had a great mix of, okay, first of all, you had the hub and having the outside areas, but there was that right mix of like having exploration. It was not linear, but it was also not open world. Yeah. Again, perfect balance. It just had it. It really did, and like hub worlds are... If they're done right and the game is built well around it, it, it is probably my favorite. I mean, and we always, the example we always go back to is Ocarina of Time. You had Hyrule Field mm-hmm. right in the middle, and then you had Castletown in one direction, Kakariko Village and Death Mountain in the other direction, Hyrule Lake in the other direction, you know, all that stuff. And it's such a good concept where you're like, as you get stronger, you can, or you get a new item or whatever it is, you can go and explore these new areas. 
I loved having just that central location where so much of the game does take place, like right there in that central hub, but just it made it very easy to be like, oh, here's a whole direction I haven't gone and explored. I'm gonna go check out this area. Here's another direction I haven't gone and explored. And you always come back to that like central area that I know we talked about it not being solid ground, but it keeps you grounded from the standpoint you always know where you are in relation to everything else. And, you know, sometimes some games work better as an open world game, but I think an action adventure game like this worked perfectly with that hub concept because you were just you were kind of getting pulled along on this uh, story that you re- you just wanted to go spread some damn ashes. That is yeah, all you uh, wanted to do. Yep. And you're getting pulled in all these other directions and having that hub to keep coming back to and then just everything else branching off of that, it did give you some exploration because some of the areas were optional, but it still, it, it, it gave you that exploration without making it feel like you could just wander around and get lost because God of War is a very cinematic game. Yep. And I think making it truly open world would have taken away from the story. Like the story kind of kept wanting to move you in a certain direction. If they would have gone true open world, I think we would have lost that cinematic, strong storytelling experience. So I thought they had that concept where there was like one camera, uh, what'd you call it? One camera angle or one shot. Yeah. It was one shot shot. the entire game. And I think with open world, like you have uh, loading screens and I just don't think that concept is possible. What Red's kind of t- saying, like the whole game, there was no cutscene or loading screen. Like it was just one oh, continuous so shot. Perfect. And I'm with you. That added a lot to the game. And kind of one thing that I really liked, and I didn't even know I liked this until I played Red Dead Redemption Two. The map details, like when you go to the hub, like inside the game, when you hit the big ass button on the PlayStation controller, <laughs> your um, favorite button, your inventory favorite button or whatever. Anymore. Like the map details, like just the colors and the way the map looks, like. This, once again, very simple to do that. Yep. But with uh, Red Dead Redemption Two, it was just like it made sense because it's an older, like eighteen hundred, well, early, late, late, late eighteen hundreds game. Yeah, but the map yeah. is just like brown with lines in it, and I didn't realize how much I like detailed maps. I'm basically talking about color here, where you can tell what's yeah. water, what's mountains, like you know what the area is actually, what's a forest, and so they did great on that, and then another thing with the water levels changing, and introducing new areas to explore, yep. like you couldn't just go, obviously it's not an open world game, but you also couldn't just go anywhere you want to, the water levels changed, they introduced new levels, it kept the game fresh throughout, and like just, I mean, another thing, just... You know, before this podcast is over, we're going to come up with one thing that God of War did right, but just all that was done spectacular. And it's funny you mentioned like the uh, the changing of the water levels, the way they did that in terms of the story with the world serpent. You've got this giant, beautiful snake that literally wraps around the entire game world and like when it comes out of the water, it literally lowers the water level yep. and unveils all these new areas. So they made that mechanic fit in with what was happening in the world and just the visual of the world serpent. Like I know it was one of the promotional pictures for the game and it's it's one of the, you know, it's a very popular image is when you and Atreus are on the canoe and the snake's head is staring at you and it yep. is massive. And then you get to pull a freaking Lord Jabu Jabu late in the game and go inside it. And it's just like, I thought the world serpent was just a, such an amazing addition to the game. Plus then like at the very end, it even comes in and attacks the uh, freaking giant that Freya is controlling yep. in the boss fight. I mean, 
having, I know I kind of transitioned a little bit from what you were talking about with the water levels and stuff, but having that as the mechanic that did it. And then that just got me going on the world snake, the world serpent who I thought was just not a strong character per se, but yeah. an awesome visual presence. It was just cool to see Mimir talk to the world serpent. You had like right. a big ass snake and then you had a guy's head literally. <laughs> They're like having a conversation with each other like nothing's going on. There's one last thing I want to get to and that's the soundtrack. Mm. I think soundtracks are very underrated but I think they're huge for games. Me too. And it's something that I'm not going to talk to you about, talk about a lot because well, I don't know music like great. Like I'm not really knowledgeable <laughs> We're on <not> music. <laughs> I just know that I hear music and I like it and this music fit the game so well. Like it had that, I call it that godlike feel. Like it feels like you're playing a game with gods. Yeah. And like it had that kind of symphony uh, orchestra. I don't know if it was exactly done. It sounds like it. Like I said, yeah. I didn't research it. I don't know if they did it that way, but it sounds like it was done that way. And just the sounds that they had in certain areas, like they just almost all fit. And you kind of just had that, like, you know, in the background in some places, then like, you know, it took over in other places, like yep. it was just done so well. And to me, obviously, because movies have music, it added to the cinematic experience. And just, you know, I didn't come up with any flaws for the game. But, uh, <laughs> did you, you know, let's talk about that. Do you want to say anything about the soundtrack first? Uh, no, I mean, you just nailed it. It's it's an amazing soundtrack. It, it fit the setting. It knew when to take a back seat to the conversations. And it knew when a huge, swelling, amazing, powerful song fit like a boss fight or something like yep. that. I mean, a lot of games get that right. And it's something you don't really think about until either a game does it amazingly or a game does it shitty. And in this case, obviously, we thought about it because God of War had an amazing soundtrack. That's uh, I mean, it's probably one of the most important things to me that's underrated. Um, kind of before game. we uh, wrap up here, is there anything that you don't like about God of War? Uh, not a whole lot. I know some people probably enjoyed this more than me. Two of the realms that you could travel to late in the game yeah. were kind of like, I would call it end game content because you had to be really powerful to go do them. Yeah. Um, it was optional content for the most part. Um, but they were, uh, they were fun, but they were kind of tedious. Both of them, like one of them was a bunch of challenges, different types of challenges in combat. Another one was you're in this like uh, toxic fog. Yeah. that's killing you. So you had to get from safe zone to safe yeah, zone while fighting one. enemies. I was not a big fan of either one. I never completed all the tasks in either one. I'm glad that there was that extra content for people who did really love it. Like, and we did yeah. love it. And I played a lot of both those optional realms, but I didn't beat either one. I thought they felt not tacked on because it did add a little bit of length to the game if you wanted to do them. But uh, mm -hmm. to me, they were unnecessary. That's about the only beef I could level at the game. I guess I don't believe that you were able, and I might be wrong on this. I don't believe you were able to travel to all nine realms in the game. Is that correct? Correct. Correct. Okay, I that's. I guess that would be the one thing I didn't like because yeah. I was at that uh, the what's it called the World's Tree or whatever. Yep. Um, I was trying to go different realms. You couldn't go to all of them, so I think that's like the one thing I didn't like. I feel like I had to like give something because we've yeah. been talking about the game so much, like in a great way. Yeah. But it's time to wrap up. Um, crazy. Like when we started this podcast, I was like forty-five minutes on one game. I don't know, but man, there was a lot. Not a lot more that I wanted to say, but I feel like I could talk. A little bit longer, but anyways, let's go ahead and wrap up. Um, all the links for this stuff will be in the description, but you can support us on Patreon or PayPal. Patreon's a uh, monthly thing. PayPal's kind of just a one-off. If you can't support us financially, which is obviously understandable of during course. this whole pandemic that's going on in the world, uh, obviously fine. Uh, I already said obviously fine. It's fine, people. It's fine <laughs> if you can't do that. But if you can't do that, leave us a review and a rating on whichever podcast platform you're on. 
That greatly helps us out. And you can buy merchandise on both of our websites, uh, Two Guys Playing Zelda and TGPC Gaming. And we may earn a commission if you purchase things through our link. Uh, Ready One, go ahead and kind of talk about some other things. Absolutely. Um, We're across all forms of social media. We've got two Facebook groups. We've got Gaming Realm, where we talk about kind of all video gaming. And we have Zelda Realm, which, as you can tell from the title, is specifically geared towards Zelda. Uh, we got a couple YouTube channels. We got two guys playing Zelda, and we got TGPZ Gaming. Go check us out there. We're also on Discord, and then uh, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Like we said, all these links will be uh, down in the information. So, thank you for giving us a listen. I hope you liked God is War as much as we did. As we're still going through this pandemic, everyone out there, you know, stay safe. That's all we can say. So, thanks for listening, and we'll catch you on the next episode.